Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. We have a sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou. Speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lost to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, for the first time since 2013, um, losing by a score of 110 to 101, and you know, as I have written on the the, the cryon below me, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this was not close. Uh, this was not a close game. It was it was really rough from the beginning, and this game only really had one memorable moment. Which was OG Ananobi flipping Dennis Schroeder, um, like the same way you would try to like flip an egg. You know when you're trying to like fry an egg, but you don't want to break the yolk. <laughs> so you, but it's like easy to flip an egg. Obviously, it doesn't take much, you know, strength to flip an egg, but you got to be real careful and delicate with it. That's the way OG flipped Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder was. Was, was that egg, and, and the yolk was probably broken and, and everything like that, but uh, aside from that little hilarious interaction, um, there was not much in this game from the Raptors' perspective because the Lakers played fantastically, and you got to give them tons of credit for how they played, uh, you know, obviously no LeBron, no AD for the rest of the guys to come out like this, you know, really speaks to... Um, just like really good cohesiveness and a really good team effort. And of course they shot the ball beautifully as well. And I think at one point they were like 12 of 17 or something like that from three in the first half. And you know, that's good. But honestly it was their defense that was so impressive. The Lakers were really able to sort of shut things down. Raptors had such a hard time dribble penetrating to the basket. Raptors had a hard time hitting any threes five of 33 from three. My goodness, that is terrible. And I thought the Raptors even got a very friendly whistle, which, by the way, if you watch enough games, you kind of know that, like, all right, if one team's getting, like, blown out, and by blown out, I mean the Raptors at halftime were down 42-68 to to the Lakers. So um, when you see these games, generally speaking, the losing team will get some extra free throws. Felt like, especially in that third quarter there, the Raptors literally couldn't do anything, and you know, referees are almost bailing the Raptors out in a way. Uh, but, yeah, the Lakers were really good um, defensively tonight. And a lot of it comes down to Marcus Saul. Turns out, look, Marcus is a pretty good player. Um, and I know that, um, you know, obviously last year in the playoffs, you know, he, he, he struggled. He struggled to the point where he was going to eat his jersey. That's how – he had to, like, go behind the, 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 video, um, the video board in the bubble – to probably, you know, scream his lungs out and then come back. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was that, that Celtic series was not for Mark. Um, but he's still a very impactful player. We keep seeing it. Like, and it's not even necessarily the scoring, which, you know, he had 13 points tonight, which, you know, when Mark scores 13, it feels like 30. Um, 
And, you know, he was giving you all the Marcus All classics, the little turnaround jumper, which I hated that shot. He, I, I swear he, he had like maybe one out of 50 attempts for him trying to do that little turnaround jumper as a Raptor in the last uh, few seasons. Um, you know, he was scoring in the post, he was scoring on the basket, he was hitting threes. But it's all the little small things that he does, especially defensively, that really, really got the Raptors messed up. I thought, I mean, Mark had four blocks today, but had so many challenges at the basket where he was just so good and so timely in terms of plugging the paint. And that's what you expect. Like, that's literally what he does. He's so good at doing that. He's done it his whole career, and it doesn't really matter what stage he's at. He's still a a legitimate seven-footer with a huge body and a very, very surprisingly nimble feet for a guy of that size. Um, And yeah, Mark was great. And it was great to see the Raptors interact with Mark. Uh, before and after the game, uh, obviously a lot of happy memories and things like that. You know, it seems like a guy everyone got along with, ultimate teammate. Um, and why not, man? He's a guy who sacrificed a ton. Like, literally his days as a star ended when he got traded to Toronto, but he won the championship. He sacrificed as much as anyone else on that team. Um, you know, didn't look for a shot, became a fifth option, just played defense, passed the ball at every... It was like, <laughs> decision-making matrix was like, pass... One pass, two pass, three, a different pass, and then four, maybe shoot the most wide open jumper possible. And I know people kind of get on his case. Sometimes you watch him and you don't, you know, you see the frustration of like, you know, he's not making the shot or, um, you know, he's not even taking the shot. But I think when you when he's gone, you do see the absence of Mark so much because I thought, you know, <laughs> the Raptors could have used a guy like Mark all season. Uh, which is, by the way, kind of nuts that Mark will now be like the third string center for these guys. Because I'm like, yo, <laughs> he would absolutely start for the Raptors. It's not even a question. But somehow he's the third string center for that team now. Which, um, I mean, you know, listen, there's there's uh, inequities in this world. There's wealth inequities. This is why uh, the idea of communism came up. Um, and is so uh, supported in certain areas. In any case... Uh, so this game itself, um, ugly. Raptors could not handle the Lakers' physicality early on in this game. The Lakers, again, as I said, jumped out to a 32-point lead by halftime. Um, and, I mean, one, I knew it was going to be a tough matchup coming in because, you know, the Lakers, for all that they are missing, they still have a lot of physical guys who can guard. You know, they literally went to the championship and things like that. So a lot of these guys are battle-tested. They were, they're playing well. And, um, you know, it, they had they have size to really impact you. The Lakers have really built an identity in the last few years off of having a lot of size. So, you know, when there is a team with lots of size, you're going to expect Pascal to struggle. And Pascal can't struggle because if he struggles, you know, there's no one else on the team available at the moment to really step up um, with Kyle and Fred out. For this team, so that the rim was going to be very difficult for this for this team. Plus, the fact that the Lakers have a lot of veterans who can, you know, who know how to guard smartly, who know when to take liberties and help off of guys. And you know, at any given moment, the Raptors are starting were, were having at least two or three guys who are complete non-factors offensively, especially from the perimeter. So there was plenty of extra help going towards you know Pascal. And I figured, like, listen, unless the Raptors hit a, a few threes early on to sort of get the Lakers to be honest about their defense. They're just going to pack it in. They're they're taller and stronger. And Pascal really struggled in this game, man. I mean, I know the box score says he finished with 27 points and he got to the free throw line 15 times. But 
it it was a generous um a few generous calls i would say and and also i just think that like a lot of it happened in garbage time which you could say well listen the whole game was garbage time why we just throw the whole game out kind of yeah because on all the kind of important moments in the first half of the raptors were struggling man pascal was front and center for those struggles like i mentioned like the lakers having a lot of size and physicality in the middle is going to throw pascal off i mean i saw the last game against you know uh the wizards when alex len was sort of lurking as a help um defender at the rim pascal will try to pass out of those opportunities so when it's mark gasol there instead uh it's going to be even worse and yeah pascal struggled with that now mark didn't play much in the second half because it was such a blowout and pascal did play a lot of the fourth quarter and he got to score a ton on the lakers bench but you know that's it's a little too late too little too late for me at that point and it's kind of was for the raptors as well even though the raptors did make a comeback push from that but uh you know, it just wasn't it for Pascal tonight. And, um, you know, I, I'd, uh, you know, when he struggles, uh, what else are you really going to do? <laughs> I mean, this is what the team is at at the moment, right? And when, when you're missing the two other main guys, it's it's going to be a bit tough. I think in terms of the question of Pascal struggling, you know, I, I do think that there are things that are his fault and things that aren't his fault. So, obviously, him getting COVID and, you know, losing some of his conditioning is not at all his fault. Um you know, and you could see it in this game today. I mean, there was plays where I saw Wes Matthews push him around, and I'm like, "What? Like Wes Matthews? Really? He's a he's a guard. <laughs> he's a guard. He's a physical guard. But I mean, that's a guard, and, he, and Pascal's six nine. Um, but you know, he's unable to sort of hold his ground. I saw Markeith Morris push him around. You know, Markeith obviously being a guy who's played very aggressively, but still, man, I mean, he's just pushing Pascal around, Mark blocking him, Kyle Kuzma blocking him. Like, I just feel like the explosiveness and burst from Pascal is in there. Obviously, when Pascal's right, he's like an overwhelming physical uh, and athletic dude, but it, I don't really feel like I'm seeing that at the moment um, from him. Uh, but And so I, I don't think that the conditioning is totally his fault. I do think that he's probably operating a lot uh lower than where he would normally like to be. I also do think that some of it is also just what can you really expect him to do with this you know, this team? I know people are like, well, you're the max guy supposed to do this. That's not how it works. Just because he gets paid more doesn't necessarily mean that his production is going to be more. His skill set is still what it is. And I think there are real holes in his skill set that sort of prevent him from being able to take over. Like, you know, this isn't just LeBron with whichever team and dragging them to the finals. Like, obviously, Pascal is not that kind of player. Um and, you know, one of the major holes is his, his three-point shooter, man. His 0 for 6 from 3 tonight. Pascal on the season shooting, like, under 30% from 3. Uh, it's it's tough to watch and, tough, honestly, tough to look at sometimes because, like, you know, a lot of these teams are going to sit back on him. And sometimes you got to take the shot, right? Especially as, as the number one guy, you got to take the shot. But when he takes a shot, like, you're seeing kind of erratic misses. Like, there's no consistency as to where the shot is missing. And that doesn't tell you everything, but when they're so erratic, um, yeah, like, it's it's just not looking good. There's, you know, you're starting to see some of the happy feet in terms of the way he's shooting. He likes to do that little DDR move. He, like, he has, like, a jittery leg before he shoots the jumper. Um, you know, some indecision. So sometimes he'll be open, but he won't necessarily take the shot in rhythm. He'll assess first, and then he's like, oh, uh, I guess I'll take this shot. Like, a lot of those, I feel like, don't really go in for him. And, you know... Without that three-point shot, you know, that does make him a little bit easier to guard because it is becomes pretty predictable where he wants to go, what spots on the floor he likes to be on. 
And honestly, when, when you really like to, you know, be at the post for the most part, it does help in terms of the defense can e- more easily double the post than almost anywhere else on the floor. Um, you know, let's say you like, you know, you, the double teams happen all over the court, but you know, generally speaking, when you watch NBA games now, double teams happen in the post or on three point shooters where, where guys who can really come off pick and rolls like Steph or, 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 or Dame, for example, um, often see two defenders and those guys have to give it up. Like, I feel like when you're helping in the post, it's a shorter rotation just because it's physically closer to the basket and it's closer to where the rest of the players are. It's a little easier to rotate and it's a little easier to sort of shuffle your defense. Whereas if you commit two guys to the three-point line, then you really do have a disadvantage and you have a, it's harder to guard in, in more space than less space. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, and again, a team like the Lakers, they just have really good help defenders. And, and Mark uh, being you know, centered to all of that really put Pascal in a bind early. And then the rest of the guys just weren't really supporting. Like, Chris made some, you know, Chris Boucher made some tough jumpers and things like that. But, you know, he was getting pushed around as well. Uh, you know, Bembry's nice in, in, in some things that he does. And today he had a, a decent game. But um, obviously a non-shooting threat, and he did take some threes today. Tried to keep the defense honest, couldn't make them. So you know, I hurt floor spacing. You know, the defense was really able to key in on Gary Trent, and he's not really a guy with the skill set to really f- initiate all the time and to create off the dribble. Like you know, we, let's be realistic. We traded Norman Powell, and an expiring Norman Powell. Uh, we did not get back. You know. Um, I don't know, like, we didn't get back Kobe or anything like that, right? Like, Gary's a guy who's young, who's developing. And I do think that there are things in his, like, uh, shot creation skill set that that can be useful. Like, I think he does have a mid-range shot. He seems to be willingly going into the post and taking um, fadeaway jumpers. So I I do think that there is a basis for that. I think there is a skill set for that. Obviously, he just doesn't do that all the time. And I don't know if Raptors need him to do that all the time, but, you know, nevertheless play creation is not necessarily his biggest skill at the moment and the Raptors weren't really able to run good offense at all for anybody and that's going to affect a guy like Gary who's primarily a shooter and force him to play outside of his comfort zone I think that's where the inefficiency 415 from the field comes from for him and then off the bench I mean what were you really going to get I thought Aaron Baines was actually quite solid once again but you know that, that only goes so far Stanley Johnson I don't know Stanley was exciting at the start of the year. He's he's really gone back to where he was before. Uh, Utah, again, also exciting at the start of the year, but he stopped making threes, and it's just a lot of hustle plays. Uh, at least I do think that Utah's hustle plays, he kind of picks his spots a little bit better than Stanley. Like, Stanley will just, like, overplay sometimes. Like, today, for example, like, I think the Raptors were really trying to press the ball and pressure into guys, but, like, Stanley would get so close to his guy that it was, like, pretty easy to just for whether it was Taylor Horton Tucker or Alex Caruso to just like any guy with any kind of handle should be able to get past that. And, you know, that created some breakdowns from that end, but you know, uh, that's that. And then Malachi, you know, okay. I would, I would say, you know, this is a game that's very useful for Malachi in the sense that kind of illustrates sort of one thing that is missing from his game, which isn't necessarily even a skill. It's really just like physicality. Like, the number of times Caruso would just like burst through a dribble handoff and just use his like uh, superior size, but also if you see Caruso, this guy's super jacked. Like he looks like 
he literally looks like a beefed up version of the the naked mole rat from Kim Possible. Like he, he's he's like that, but with muscles. Um, like he was just pushing Flynn aside and moving him from his spots, and it, it does make it very difficult for Flynn to sort of operate. Obviously, you got you got to be strong and comfortable on the ball and things like that. Um, and I, I did feel like Flynn was unable to you know navigate the way he wanted to. Uh, you know, his finishing at the basket, obviously, is going to be something that's affected by the strength as well. And even just, like, getting to a steady shot. The stronger you are, the easier that is to, to, to do. Um, and I do think that that's one area that he's going to be, he, he's missing. And especially as a smaller guard, you, you, you know, I think Malachi's quickness is very important. Again, there's another game where he's guarded, he's getting um, matched up with a very, very quick player tonight, Dennis Schroeder, who's as quick as anybody in the league and Malachi was able to slide with him get several stops against him so that's impressive to me like obviously you know if you can do that against freaking Dennis Schroeder I mean you know that's that's pretty good that's that's about as quick as it comes in the NBA um but I do think that he does need to add some strength to his game and I, and you know it's there's not like there's no precedent for this players get stronger throughout the course of their careers all the time rookies obviously come in you know, with a different level of training in college or wherever or high school um, than they do when they come to the NBA level. And, and I do think that, you know, improving his strength is going to be a, a point that the Raptors look at. And I do think that, like, you know, Fred Van Lee is an interesting um, case study here because Fred is also a guy who's, um, you know, very quietly become a very, very strong guard. Um, you know, you don't necessarily think of him like, I don't know who are some of the strong guards in the league, like Eric Bledsoe or something. But uh, no, but Fred is very, very strong. He uses his strength really well, offensively, defensively. Uh, he's able to sort of absorb contact and finish, and that's where I think Gary, or that where I think um, Malachi can sort of get to as well. Um, but yeah, it was just a tough game, and you know the Raptors battled back in the second half. I would say you know the Lakers obviously took their foot off the gas pedal just a little bit. Um, you know they played their bench a little bit more. Um, but I also thought that, you know, the Raptors, um, I, I like that they didn't give up. And, and I like that, you know, from Nick Nurse down to, you know, whichever guy was last in the rotation, and I guess Aaron Baines. Um, all those guys competed and they fought hard. And Nick, you know, left Pascal in there for, for most of the fourth quarter, even though the Raptors were down 20, 30 points. It was like, go out there and at least, like, you know, play, not play for pride in a way, but just like, I mean, come on, you guys... Uh, these guys are paid very, very well. These guys are given a platform to play sports at the very, very highest level. Like, you know, yeah, it's a back-to-back, all this other stuff, but just, like, I don't know. There's there's, there's some honor in playing hard. <laughs> there's some honor in the fact that, you know, like, you battle to the end. You don't give your opponent anything. And I actually really appreciate that quality. I think whether you get the resolve or not, I think you would always want to see a team with fight and without it. Because, yo, without that fight, the Raptors would have finished this game Similar to the game they had last week, where they killed the Warriors by 53, 54 points. Like, it's it was the same deal, trending in that direction, only in reverse for the Raptors. But, I'm you know, the Raptors actually showed some fight, whereas the Warriors didn't. So, um, yeah, I mean, both are losses, but, you know, uh, I, do, I do like how they competed and how they fought. And then, of course, the most important part of this game is, you know, I, I saved it to this point because, you know, there's nothing else to talk about. Uh, and I gotta keep people interested. Um, the OG Ananobi, I don't, I don't even know what to call that, man. Um, <laughs> so okay, so what happened was it was a bit of a scramble. I think OG turned the ball over. He had fallen over on the play. The Lakers had a fast break. Lakers turned the ball over, 
And I think Pascal pitched it ahead to OG, who was clearly all alone because, again, he had fallen behind on, on the play offensively. And Schroeder was the first one to get back. And he gave not even – it was a bit of a hard foul, but really he – you know, pretty good hard foul, right? Um, he wasn't going to stop OG, but, you know, he put the hand on the ball, put the hand around OG's shoulder and kind of like – hung on for dear life essentially and um yeah you know the referees called a foul or whatever but then you know as you do see a lot in these situations when there is a hard foul given at the basket an intentional hard foul like guys kind of hold on to each other a little bit just to sort of help each other with their landings and somehow og got his left hand i believe wrapped underneath of dennis shorter's leg and as og stood up he basically flipped Schroeder, kind of in the same way. Like, the last time I saw that was, like, uh, you know, like, I, <laughs> like it, it looked like it looked like they were dancing um, the tango in, in the streets of uh, Buenos Aires. Like, it, it, it looked like I was back in La Boca. Like, <laughs> I don't know what was happening there with OG and, and Dennis Schroeder, but it was very random. You know, obviously, like, people don't like contact. It's sort of like, you know, you see people shove each other off or anything like that. But, like... I've never seen a guy just like, yo, get off me. I'm going to flip you. <laughs> and uh, it, it was very, very funny to watch. I don't know. It was super random. I would say it was super on brand for OG. As much as a fight can be on brand for OG. And OG, by the way, has been involved in a few like um, skirmishes. Obviously, most notably when he uh, tangled with Markeith Morris, who was in this game. right? Uh, that's back when he was a wizard in 2018 or OG was a rookie. You know, we've seen OG sort of getting into it with guys and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't think it's, like, his aggressive personality. But, yeah, for some reason, he just flipped Schroeder. And it was actually pretty wild how strong OG is. Because, again, he just... It, he did it with such ease. Like, he just, like... You know, <laughs> he just flipped the man. And, of course, Schroeder was very upset. Because, like, yo, come on. Like, <laughs> nobody likes to be handled. But definitely no one wants to be flipped over on national television. <laughs> And uh, so he was trying to get at OG, and then a crowd ensues, and, you know, Montrez Harrell gets involved, you know, some shoving. And, I, A, I did like Gary Trenton for stepping in for OG, really trying to protect his boy. Uh, he was the first one to sort of get Ash Schroeder and, and sort of... Because OG was kind of apologetic about the whole thing. Like, he, immediately he was like, oh, yo, my bad, my bad. I mean, look, listen, he flipped the guy. I don't know that that was unintentional, but I don't think, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's... It was, it was a, I would say, 75% intentional, 25% like, oh, shit, I didn't know I was that strong. Uh, but, yeah, a very hilarious play. The review, after review, OG got ejected, um, and he was kind of, I would say, bemused as he got, went back to the locker room, heading down the tunnel, and you, the camera saw uh, Masai Jerry standing beside the tunnel, as he usually is, give OG a little fist bump, and, I, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, and on the other end, you know what? Uh, Montrez Harrell left the arena, put up the the peace sign after two minutes. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, of course that affected affected the game, and you don't want to see that. Obviously, OG is very important to the game. But listen, you know, I one thing that again, I hate talking about surge all the time because it's sad and we can't do anything about it, and it's repetitive. But one of the many things you miss from both surge is just that one random fight you get per year. Where he decides to choke out Marquise Chris or whatever. And OG, being a true Serge Ibaka disciple. I mean, Serge can really... If, if I were... 
if I were Jordy, Serge's manager, I, I, I would tell Serge to get on Instagram right now and, and, and tell OG I put you on fights. Because uh, Serge Ibaka definitely put OG on fights, man. Uh, this was... This is hilarious to see. It just, again, it just, it's so weird. I've seen a lot in NBA fights. You know, you've seen, like, um, Charles Barkley, like, bonk the ball off of, uh, um, who was it? Uh, Shaq's head. You know, we've seen the other Morris twin uh, just use the ball <laughs> and bonk uh, Justin Justin Anderson in the head. We've, we've seen some very interesting fights. We've seen guys, like, choke each other, punch, you know, th- you know throw weird kicks over that. Obviously, like, crowds ensue, you know, finger-pointing, all sorts of stuff. Chris Childs with the two-piece on Kobe. But, like, I've never seen a guy just flip another guy. That was It looked like WWE out there. And, um, yeah, listen, I, I know um, I know the Raptors lost the battle, but OG won the war, okay? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm taking away from this game because, it, it, again, it's just so funny, that play. And if you, if you haven't seen it already, please go watch that play. And it's it's so, so strange. So, yeah, it, it's a loss. So, whatever. The Raptors, obviously, we're always going to struggle in this matchup. I do think the Lakers' size really affected them. And the Lakers played really well. So, you got to give them tons of credit. Um, but, you know, Raptors, listen, you're not going to win any games when you shoot 5 of 33 from 3. But they tried. And uh, they did eat into the lead. So, I don't know. It's hard to, be com- hard to complain. Especially if you're also of the perspective that, listen... Whether the Raptors win or not, both can kind of be good. Like, losing does help the tank and does help their lottery odds. So, you're like, yeah, whatever. And if they do win, well, sometimes they, they do it in an exciting fashion. Like, on a game winner or, or winning by 53 points. So, uh, yeah. Can't really be that mad about the whole thing. So, in terms of your three stars from this game, I'm not even kidding. I'm giving OJ Anobi the first star. And I know that's, that's BS in terms of performance. But in terms of entertainment, when you turn on the TV, let's be real. When we just watch this thing, we can't affect the outcome of the game. Uh, we can't, you know, will them to victory. We can't do anything. They're literally in Tampa Bay in like an empty arena, right? What you really are doing when you tune in is to hope to be entertained. And when you have sat down for two and a half hours, well, this game felt like three hours. This game felt like a Yankees-Red Sox playoff series, man. It's freaking four hours with the number of pitching changes or like free throws given. But um, in any case, uh, when you sit down on your couch or wherever in front of your laptop and you just watch this game for two and a half hours, you expect to be entertained. And who entertained you the most? It was OG Anobi, man, because that play again absolutely floored me. I was I had so much fun with that play. So OG gets the first star. Second star, I'll give it to DeAndre Bembry. I like his all-around game. Uh, I have pretty much since uh, he cracked the rotation earlier this season. And, you know, just like a Swiss Army knife, kind of he's smart enough and has enough skills to sort of fit in to whatever role the coach has put on him. And I do think the fact that his role changes a lot is uh, a reflection of how much the coaches do trust him because, you know, you got to be able to adapt to different situations. Today in the starting five, just like he was against Washington, 12 points, five rebounds, three assists, five steals, Shot fifty percent from the field. He was he was very solid. Uh, made some tough plays. Of course, the three point shooting isn't quite there, but made some tough drives. Made some tough finishes. Showed some bravery in that end. Was disruptive defensively, energetic defensively. Like you know, I'm I'm a fan of Embry. I, I like him, and the Raptors have him next year for, under contract for like two million non guaranteed. Like yeah, guarantee that contract, man. He's gonna be good. He's a, he's a good player. I like him. Uh, and your third star from this game, I mean, you know, 
This is tough. I'll give it to Chris Boucher. It's been a while since Chris had a, a nice scoring game, and I did think that today the matchup was difficult against Mark. Very, very different players, like polar opposites. You know, Boucher obviously being super wiry, jump out the gym, uh, aggressive with his shots, and Mark being super pass first, uh, and then mostly using his positioning and, and physicality to sort of affect plays offensively, defensively. But Boucher, you know, took it to Mark a few times, man. He started the game with a very, very tough fading two against Mark. Uh, and made a number of plays, just hustle plays. Didn't really hit the three well, but I liked his activity and the way he tried to impact the game. Of course, this game was very physical, so um, you needed someone to meet that challenge. And Boucher's not really a guy to beat you necessarily with physicality, but he's fast, he's strong, he's got an endless motor. And... You know, you can expect him to make hustle plays. And that's been a little confusing in the last few games. Is He hasn't really been as energetic as you normally would expect. And today he was very energetic flying in for offensive rebounds and things like that. So I'll give it to Chris, man. 19 points, 8 rebounds as well, an assist, a steal, 33 minutes. Not bad for Chris. So in terms of your Gerald Henderson Award winner, uh, you know, for me, I wanted to give it to Mark. 13 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks. Fantastic game for Mark. I would say he was their best player tonight. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, Tim Horn Tucker deserves some real respect here because he, uh, I mean, he showed why the Raptors were interested and why the Lakers ultimately said no because, you know, he was breaking down the defense, made some impressive plays, pretty confident shooter as well. Uh, yeah, you know, pretty talented. But I got to give it to this dude, man. I don't know who he is. Devontae Kakak. Like, I, like I, I've never heard of this man. Uh, apparently, he's 6'7". Went to UNC Wilmington. Um, this is a rookie. He's 24 years old. He's averaging two points per game. Um, he was really good. He was very physical. Was really good at switching. Um, you know, that kind of really helped to contain the Raptors from getting downhill. Uh, got some. Got, got a block. Looked pretty solid defensively. And offensively, was just active, hustle guy. Uh, seemed like good hands. Seemed like good feet. You know, and seemed like good size. Honestly... Uh, I had to look up his name again. De- Devontae Kakak would be starting for the Raptors, man. This guy should be getting three stars for the Rafters because, you know, I, he's he's solid. And listen, he came in as a free agent. You know, the Rafters could have uh, maybe gotten involved in the, the Kakak sweepstakes. But, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was unfortunate. But he really, 10 points, 8 rebounds. But it felt like, you know, 13 points and 9 rebounds. It really did. So, giving it to, uh, to, 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 uh, Devonte. So um, that does it for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. The Raptors have an off day tomorrow, and they have a busy week. They have three more games this week, so I'll be here plenty of times to recap the games. As always, thanks everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. I've seen people send in comments to the uh, newsletter, and that's super exciting. I'm excited to answer those. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Raptors Reaction Newsletter. I'm going to drop a link to it uh, in the podcast description. And um, yeah, I'll be back on Thursday. When the Raptors play yet again this week, damn, that's going to be real busy. They're going to be playing the Bulls, and, um, you know, if they want to make the playoffs, they got to win. If they want to tank, they got to lose. So you got to tune in for that one. It's going to be a very pivotal game. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.